This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by Cedic Run. Cedic Run is Grand Forks' premier running store. With everything you need from shoes to running gear to nutrition products, SDR is ready to help you achieve all your running goals. From hobby jogger to the most competitive runners, there's something for everyone at SDR. And have you seen their new shop? It's beautiful. Ask Richard for a tour of the place. Cedic Run, located in downtown Grand Forks, where life and running intersect. Ragnarok Athletic Club provides track and field athletes of all ages and all events with opportunities to train and compete. Looking to compete and track into the summer months? Ragnarok will be hosting camps and several competitive opportunities. For more info, head to their Instagram page, at RagnarokAC. And finally, thank you for our sponsor, Draymond Enterprises, Innovation Reimagined. On this episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast, we sit down with Alex Talley, who's coming hot off of two first-team All-American honors. With a third-place throw in the shot put and a sixth-place finish in the weight throw, he is one of the most established throwers to ever come out of the state, and he's still going. The first collegiate on the show, Cam and I are so pumped to introduce to you Alex Talley. But enough about us, let's get to it. Thanks for listening, and here is our interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rand. And today we are kicking it with one of the best throwers to ever come out of the state of North Dakota, and he's still going. In high school at West Fargo, he was a two-time state champion in the shot put in the discus his senior year. That earned him senior athlete of the year. He went on and still is competing at North Dakota State University, where he's been a four-time All-American Coming off of two fresh ones, third place in the shot put this last weekend, and sixth place in the weight throw. Alex Talley, welcome to the show. I'll say, I don't know how to respond after you hyped me up that much. (laughs) I thought you were going to like run through that wall that was behind you or something. (laughs) (laughs) Must end like the Kool-Aid man or something. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a first for this show. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be a good episode. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Well, Uh, so first question we always like to ask right off the bat is, now for you, you were a multi-sport athlete growing up. So just tell us, how did you you get involved in sports right away? And maybe what were some of your earliest memories of playing different sports growing up? um, So I played basketball, baseball, played football in high school and then I joined track in like middle school but I think uh so I've always kind of been involved with it my parents put me in it at like a young age so I think my earliest memory is I was playing t-ball in the West Fargo high school like softball fields and I was picking like so uh what are they called like dandelions in the field because I was bored with the game that's my earliest memory of like sports <laughs> And then I also remember I hit the ball and I was running the bases and then everybody was yelling at me and I was going the wrong way. I also remember that one. So, so from, I mean, from those early, the earliest memories, it's like some, some people might think, oh man, maybe sports wouldn't, was not going to be Alex Talley's thing. When did you, like, did you always enjoy it even when those things were happening or what was like the first, like, time that you realized you really enjoyed like competing um so I don't think I was super into sports until I hit like middle school kind of puberty age is when like I don't know I kind of hit a growth spurt and I you know got a little chin hair and whatnot and then all of a sudden I was into playing football and basketball and I was enjoying it a lot more I was always kind of tubby and I didn't like running so I you know, it was in basketball and like I played like football and stuff and I never wanted to chase the kids around. I really like to just wait on like the other end of the basketball court for them to come back to me. So yeah, after I was kind of hit puberty and like, I don't want to say became more athletic, but I wasn't super athletic before puberty. So about then I really took off and like basketball is my main one. And then uh, I played flag football at that time because my mom was scared I'd get hurt with the big kids. 
So, but yeah, I really liked fly football and then took off in football and played baseball as a catcher. So you you kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but I was wanted to ask: Were you always the big kid growing up? Um, yeah, I was always like, as a kid, you don't realize a lot of things, but like I realize it now, like looking back, I was always big. I was always able to move better than like a lot of kids who were my, who like were way smaller than me. I'd be able to keep up with them pretty easy. So like I showed signs of like athleticism early. And then I also showed signs of like being strong very early on. Like boxing out, I was always really good at that. I was good at fighting for rebounds and basketball. Like I just showed it young, I guess, but at the time I didn't I didn't realize it. So of like uh basketball, football, and then I guess we haven't really talked about how you got into track yet, but which of those two was like your your main sport or like your favorite? Um, so I've gone through like a lot of phases. Uh, growing up, probably until high school, I really liked basketball. I really liked basketball, and I was a big fan of it. And then I joined track in middle school. I should probably start talking about track a little more. But, um, yeah, so I joined track in, I think it was either seventh or eighth grade. And I did it because I was kind of getting fed up with baseball, but I wanted something to fill the time. And... I don't know. It seemed like a good solution. No one in my family really ran track that much. So it's kind of like a new experience. But, uh, yeah, so I joined track and wasn't a huge fan of the running that was involved with it. But and then uh, my head coach in, like, middle school sent me over to throw the shot put, and it was not too bad. I didn't, I didn't like, really love it, but I didn't hate it. I don't know. I seemed to be okay at it. So that's just – it was fun, I guess. Did you buy into that? And moving there? into – what were you going to say? Didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Did you buy into that stereotype right away where it's like the throwers don't do anything? They just show up to meets with a two-liter of Mountain Dew and like a bag of Gardettos. Did you ever buy into that or were you actually trying to throw the shot put far? Um. So, yeah, when I was joined in middle school, I actually really wanted to be a sprinter. And I was like our second best sprinter at my middle school. But I have, like, decently – I have asthma, so I kind of have trouble keeping up sometimes. So I remember just, like, struggling through the workouts and, like, kind of hating it, but I really like going to the meets and running. So – and then I went over and started throwing, and it was just, like, a way better fit for me. But, yeah, I kind of had a bad diet. <laughs> I didn't drink much pop, but I, I eat a lot of candy, a lot of gummy worms. And uh, that, that continued into high school. I think I used to eat like a five-pound bag of gummy bears like every two weeks. It was wild. You know, you want to actually know my first interaction I ever had with you was it must have been your senior year at EDC. EDC, I think, was at West Fargo that year. And okay. you, I was like helping out with the pole vault or watching the pole vault, and you just – come up to like all these people that were around me and my, myself included. And you got this tub of cookies and you're just dishing yeah. out to people. It was like, Hey, you want a cookie? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. But then I don't know if I knew you were going to be my teammate the next year at NDSU or not, but <laughs> I just remember my youngest brother, Bryce, who your teammates with now was just yeah. like, man, guy's really nice. As he's like snacking away on the cookie that you had just handed him. Yeah, so my mom used to really like making cookies for us, but she likes to bake. So she makes like five dozen cookies and then they just sit in the freezer forever. So then she'd just give me like a dozen cookies every or like two dozen cookies every track meet. I'd just walk around and hand them out to people. I don't know. I thought I'd make friends and whatnot. I don't know. I thought it was, it was fun. good. It was a good cookie. I'm really glad that you did that. Yeah. The only thing is I would usually eat like four or five before I threw, which is probably not the best idea. So <laughs> Didn't quite know how nutrition worked back then the best. I mean, nutrition is like a, I mean, just like you PR and you, you grow in like your weightlifting, strength training and your technique, you know, nutrition, nothing different there. You know, that's something. Yeah. Also, I didn't really find the nutrition time. thing until I got to college. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man. But anyway, go, going, going back to your original question. Um, 
after like my sophomore year of high school, I really liked football. And then after like my junior year of high school, I was over football and I wanted to do track. And that's kind of where it stuck. So, what what do you think was the the flipping point when you were over football and ready to move on to track? Was it like the success that you were finding, or like a coaching thing, or team chemistry, um, or? So from basketball to football, the big switch was I was short and stocky. I didn't fit the game very well. I played like a football player. I don't have a lot of finesse. I wasn't a great shooter. I just tried really hard, I guess. And then so I went to football because I was seeing a lot of success in football. But I felt like I never like fit in fully with the team, I guess. Like they were nice enough and like we were friends, but like I'd never like really hung out with those guys or anything. Um, but then when I went to track, like it was like basically a big party every practice. Like all my best friends were there, a lot of time to sit and talk. Like I don't know, I just like the chilled out environment. It fits my personality a lot better. Yeah, and I mean, from what we know of you and what we've seen of you in your training, you know the the chilled out atmosphere was not because you didn't want to work hard. Like you're you're a workhorse, Tally, and. So uh, I appreciate maybe, you saying that. Well, I mean, it's the truth. There's no lies on this podcast. So, uh, but well, maybe, like you've you seen can... me at practice. I like to just like hang out and like talk to people. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, and the people yeah. can't see it right now, but you are literally interviewing from the track. So uh, I am in the track right now. <laughs> you spend a lot of time. There. <laughs> so, Tally, you're what we like to call a, a track rat. You're just just there, just always. Any chance? I very get. much am. Yeah. <laughs> So I very much am. So you are like finding your joy in all these different sports. You kind of start to figure out track is where it's at. But along the way, you also rack up a couple all state football honors. I think I even saw that you were the EDC senior athlete football player of the year. Pretty awesome yep. accomplishment. So between football and track, was there one sport that you were being more recruited for than the other. I feel like a recurring theme that we hear from NDSU, like Bison Illustrated, is that you were overlooked. So what did that recruiting process look like for you when you were getting to the point you like track, you're starting to find some success and trying to figure out where to go to school? So I was pretty heavily recruited for football. You know, just about every school in the area. I had like Valley City, Mary, um, UND, SDSU, NDSU, like they're all looking at me and they're all talking to me during football season. And then when you're playing the sport, obviously you kind of tend to like it more. Mm -hmm. So like they're really pushing for me to sign right away. Cause I, I think they kind of knew if like I kept waiting, I probably wouldn't sign. So there was a, there was a very real future for me in football. I really thought I was going to go play for NDSU, but I think it was like halfway through my senior year of basketball. I was like, kind of starting to look forward to track and I was like yeah that's that's where I belong I just know I am like supposed to supposed to be there so um as far as like recruiting for track goes um coaches don't like I don't want to say contact you as much but like in football you know they get your number and they call you um I've had a couple times they came to West Fargo and sat me down like talked to me in a room with like, a couple other guys um, with track, you know, I got, like, some letters, but they seemed like letters they were just sending to everybody, if that makes sense. Like, they weren't, like, meaningful, whereas, like, um, the big – one of the big reasons I came to NDSU, too, is Sinclair would uh, call me every once in a while and be like, hey, how you doing? And, like, how's the decision coming? And, like, that really stuck out to me. It meant a lot. I sit down with Lars. Lars contacted me a couple times. And I was like, it means a lot that you guys are, like, putting in effort. It makes me really feel like – you want me as part of your team. That's I ended up coming here, so it worked. Yeah, what so NDSU is pretty much the the one school that like pursued you you know to They pursued me probably the hardest. UND was a close second, but NDSU like really came after me. Yeah. Did you have any other like quote unquote big offers, like any other D1 schools looking at you for track or was it mostly just smaller schools in the area? Um, I, I had UND and uh, coach Drew Jones at UND is a, is a great coach and he really did a good job on the recruiting visit, but I felt like I didn't fit the team there. So I didn't really end up there. 
Um, SDSU, kind of the same thing. They have a great program, great coach. But I just – I remember my, uh, like, uh, host, me and him didn't vibe the best just, like, the whole time I was there. Like, it was really quiet. Like, it was hard to talk to him. So, I, was, I just wasn't feeling it. Those are my other ones. I didn't really get too many offers from other D1 schools that weren't SDSU, UND, or NDSU. So, mm-hmm. but and, – And this was kind of, like – I mean, the throws program at NDSU was certainly good when you were getting mm-hmm. recruited, but it it was not what it is now. Um, yeah. I think another, like, big part of the recruiting process was I actually – you guys remember those camps we put on at NDSU, for, like high yeah. school kids? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was one of those campers. So I think that was – I got to meet Sinclair before I even, like, really – New like we talked like once before but I came here and like I don't know if he saw anything in me at this camp you have to ask him for that but I remember being impressed by his coaching by the by the um like Renner and them who were running the camp I was impressed by them mm-hmm. so that was another big part of it yeah I was a camp kid I went to the hurdle yeah. camps and all of those and yeah I mean that was a big foot in the door for me too so yeah, I don't know if any high school kids are listening, like for sure, go to the camps, get your foot in the door. It's honestly the best way to get your name out there. If you're wanting to go somewhere in college, almost every campus has camps and it's honestly one of the best ways in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. No, they're just like a great experience. So you finish high school, you've got this idea that you're going to NDSU. Now, where, did you walk on or did you sign? I signed. Okay. So you sign at NDSU. And you walk away from West Fargo High School with two state titles your senior year, one in the shot put, one in the discus. You win state senior athlete of the year um, on the track side of things too. I mean, just like walking out, what were some of the things you were most proud of? Were those pretty awesome accomplishments? Like obviously those are awesome accomplishments, but were those kind of the ones that stood out the most, like the cherry on top? Or were there other points in the season too that were really special for you? Um, so I actually have one very vivid moment in track that uh, kind of cemented it as one of my favorite sports, and like it's still one of my like proudest achievements. It's my freshman year of high school. I came in throwing the shot, and I threw like forty-three feet or something, like something not like that impressive. But I worked all year, and I was chasing these like senior kids who I just like looked up to so much. I ended up catching them at our conference track meet my senior year I made it like I was like the last guy in kind of thing and I ended up making it to state and like that was like a huge deal to me like, I was so excited to go just barely made it to state I got to state and I tied my way into finals and I ended up improving just a little bit for eighth place I still hold on to that as like my first big like accomplishment that I was like I love this sport like this is what I want to do kind of thing so that's like one of my crowning achievements and then I'd say Senior Athlete of the Year was also really uh, a big one for me. Really good old boost of the confidence. So. so that was the one where you chased the seniors. You were said you were a freshman that year. and you made I was a state. freshman there. Yeah. I think so I cool. didn't even throw 50 feet that year, but I was so excited to go and I was so excited. I worked so hard that entire year trying to get there and made it, accomplished my goal. I just felt so good. I, was, uh, I think I was the only one on the podium. I was like, grinning ear to ear. I made it to state, and I, I, I took home a little plaque. So I was yeah. so excited. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that really is one of, like, my favorite things about, like, track and cross country is everywhere at, at like, every ability level, there's somebody who's going to have the best day of their life. Uh, yeah, and and so whether like for you that was like even just making it to state, or for some people it's like beating that one person who they've lost to like three meets in a row. You know the the random dude from Fargo North who they don't even know their name, but they just know that they've always been losing to them. Or yeah. you know, there's so many different like ways to be successful in track and to like get a personal win that's not just like the top of the podium. Um, I'll say that one was definitely like a big like I was running like a victory lap after that like I was just so excited that I made it to state and then at state was able to even take home a little plaque so 
I still yeah. hold on to that plaque. I still got it. I'm so sorry. I see it and I still get excited. So. Before we transition to uh, talking about some of your college stuff, Cam, did you just call out Fargo North? Is that a quick call out? No, no. Okay. Not, not, <laughs> Cam not starting a specific beef. dig at Fargo North at all. <laughs> Love the Spartans. I'm I'm wearing my Spartan sweatshirt right now, so don't you dare. Shout out Fargo North Spartans. You know, hope you guys have a great track season. No, no, no disrespect there. Yeah, yeah. So, Tally, you come off this awesome senior season. You show up at NDSU and you redshirt. What the heck? Um, Most people come (laughs) in, they're like, oh, I just want to stay title. I'm going to get after it. I'm going to start to travel. You get the redshirt, man. What was that whole year like? Um, so I don't know if you guys really remember me in my true freshman year. I was kind of quiet, but I kind of kept my head down quite a bit because I was scared of you older guys. But uh, when I came in, I was five foot ten, two hundred ten pounds. Um, in high school, I glided, and now in college, I was spinning. Very, very different techniques for if anybody's not familiar with throwing. And then also my new event was the hammer throw that I've never even heard of before coming to college. Like I literally thought you took a hammer and like threw it, you know, but so like I had, I was learning two basically new events and, you know, I, I just wasn't ready to compete. And I think coach Sinclair knew that. And he kind of just told me, he's like, let's learn the technique. Um, your distances won't really matter this year. Like, obviously, we're going to try to throw far, but, like, it's not going to dictate growth. Where you're going to grow this year is, like, if you can get after it in the weight room, put on the weight you need to put on, and then if you can grasp the technique. And then he said, we can get that, we'd be golden. And then I think that year I ended up putting on, like, 50 pounds, really getting the technique, put on a bunch of weight, room strength, and, like, starting to get the form and, yeah, that was kind of the goal of that year. The goal was not – I wasn't ready to throw far. I wasn't going to place a conference. I probably wouldn't even make the travel team. So, it's really just about developing. I needed – I really needed it. I think kids should aim for a retro year. I think it's really important. So, even though you took a development year where you weren't going to throw far and you were just focused on getting stronger and you are just going to focus on technique – uh, you still qualified for the USATF Junior Championships in the shot put yes. and in your brand new event, the hammer throw. Uh, yes, I did. So I mean, you can you can try and be humble, Tally, but we know you're you're a beast. And did you uh, look at the results of that meet though? Uh, no, we don't have to talk about the results. Let's just talk about the experience. Uh, where did because, you go? Because uh, I remember being embarrassed that I fouled all three throws in the hammer throw. <laughs> and then I threw like nine feet under my PR in the shot put because I was so intimidated by other guys. And then That's what you, I remember from that meet. <laughs> and you would have also gotten to throw the lighter weight shot put, right? Like you were throwing 16 yeah. all year and then you were throwing the 12 at the juniors? Oh, uh, yeah. We throw the 6K at the juniors. Okay. And I threw the 6K to get in and I threw like high – it was either low 19 meters, I think it was, was my best shot put with the 6K. Uh-huh. And I think at Junior Nationals, I threw just above 16 meters. Hmm. So, and like I said, I fouled all three in hammer. I didn't get a single single mark. I came in last in both events, truthfully. So, so what's your biggest lesson as a red shirt that you take away from that season? Um, the biggest lesson – I got was it taught me how to work hard, taught me what to expect in the weight room. Um, it taught me, it humbled me quite a bit because I was doing two new events and I think every day for about four months I looked stupid. Like I just went to practice and like it was obvious I didn't know what I was doing, but I was trying my best and it taught me that it's okay. Like it's okay to try something and if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Like, I remember specifically, I was learning how to reverse in the shot put out of the spin. And I ended up, I didn't put any weight on my left leg in the reverse. I just pushed off my right, and I was going to switch it, and I never switched it. And then so I had no feet beneath me, and I face planted, like immediately, just straight on my face. And this was outside, and we threw, and there was like rocks there. I like got a little cut up. 
And I got back up and Justin was like, try it again, try it again. Same thing. Fell twice in a row. And I was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> that was the most embarrassing thing I did my freshman year. But after that, I was like, well, nothing can be more embarrassing than that. So I have nothing to worry about. Taught me humility. Taught me that you're going to mess up. You're going to look stupid. But it's all for the best. If you're worried about that, you know, I can get better. Yeah, that's awesome. Tally, who are some some of, like, the your biggest mentors, like, on the team? Like, NDSU is just pumped out thrower after thrower after thrower. So, you've gotten to, to throw with quite a few few studs. Uh, but who are, like, really uh, pretty much out? everybody Pretty much everybody older, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. So, when I came in, I followed Alex Renner around like a lost puppy. He was nice to me and he was old. Uh, I, I looked up to Renner quite a bit. I, I still do to today. You know, I used to, I really used to follow him around. I used to, I, re, I think I've told the story at FCA, but I went a couple times just because like he wanted me there. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up to Stefan Stroh, still the strongest man I've ever known in my life. You know, he was the captain of the weight room, captain of the team. It was obvious. When he walked in, he lit up the room. And, you know, I wanted to be just like him, too. I looked up to him, and then Peyton, you know, he, he threw out of the sector at our home meet. He, we had to – we have to get into the sector because of him. You know, like, how can you not look up to that guy? That guy's incredible. So I've had nothing but huge mentors at NDSU, and they're all great guys. They're all incredible people. And I'm just blessed that I got to know them, really. Yeah, and I, we'll touch on this in a little bit, but I'd be interested to hear how you are – being a mentor to some of these young guys now too. But you finally, you get out of the red shirt year. You get that U.S. juniors meet behind you. And your freshman year, you get a taste of making it to the NCAA prelims. So you get to compete yes. on the big stage to go to the bigger stage. What yes. was that experience like? And did it drive, like, how did it drive you? How did it motivate you to the performances that we just saw this past weekend? So the fun part about where I was my freshman year was my goal was to make it to the prelims, to make it to regionals. And I accomplished my goal. I came in. I was, I don't even remember, probably like 42nd. Like there wasn't really much of a chance of me going. I made it both in shot and hammer. And funny enough, it was in the same place at juniors where I didn't do very well. So I kind of had bad memories. But I showed up, and that's a really fun spot to be in. And it was kind of, I want to say encouraging, but, like, at that point, everybody who's not top 12 is last. Is kind of, like, the way I looked at it. Like, it's either you continue to nationals or you're done. Like, there's no – it's more or less first and second, and second is you're not going, in my opinion. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you win. doesn't matter if you come in 12th. You get the same thing kind of thing so when I saw that I was like well I don't have much of a chance of making it so it turned into I'm gonna send it with everything I have and if I happen to stay in the ring I stay in the ring and I think I if you look at my performances there I don't think I had marked the camera throw because I was trying to send it so far and then it shot I think I actually had a really good day and I came like I moved up a couple spots but yeah so it was really really nice for me to be like, yeah, this is, I got to compete with some big guys. I had far throws, even though I didn't save them. Like, be able to be like, yeah, I can keep up with these guys. You know, like, I'm young, but I, I see where I, I hope to be in the future. And I was able to at least run with them for a little bit. So. so you're, you're finally competing. You're finally seeing kind of maybe where you stack up in the NCAA. Uh, what what does like the training look like going into your sophomore year? Because I mean the region meet and the national meet uh, get get like pretty late, you know, into almost like the first or second week of June, uh, and then you have the whole summer and you have the whole fall where you don't compete, uh, and then indoor season, you know. So I I mean running cross country, I never had to deal with that long of a break without competition. So what's kind of the the next steps after? after a, a regional meet preparing for the um, So we get like two weeks off about like a week or two from lifting and running and stuff. 
But then we hit it back hard. And then, like, every summer I kind of pick something to focus on. And I think my first two summers were just, like, strength and building, like, a foundation to build off of. And I think that summer I was, again, kind of, like, sharpening up strength. But I was also putting a lot into, like, if I want to keep up, I have to move better kind of thing. So I was really sharpening, like, pyometrics. I was working on my sprints. I was doing, like, all the extra stuff to try to speed up a little bit in the ring. And sharpen that up and then get back to practice. And we go back to throwing, like, balls that will get you stronger, balls that will just get you, like, positionally stronger, doing extra drills. So really just getting ready for the next season. And that next season, indoors, you don't quite make it to the NCAA meet, but we flash forward a year to the outdoor meet. The year before, you say you no-marked that hammer throw. You had some decent throws in the shot put. A year later, you're in that position again, but you're not the underdog coming in now. You've got a chance, <laughs> yeah. you've got a chance to make the national meet. So talk us through that shot put and that hammer throw competition, now trying to qualify for the NCAA championships meet. What was that like? Um, it's very, very nerve-wracking. I think if I'm thinking of the right year, I I did end up making it both this year. You but did. that hammer throw meet, I remember I was picked to be in the top 12. Now, like I said, really, at the regional meet, it's either 1 through 12 when you go into nationals or you're not. Like, there's places don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But so I remember going to that meet and thinking, I just have to do what I did the rest of the year, which is you don't realize what you do until you have to do it, I guess. Like if someone tells you to act natural, all of a sudden you don't know how to act natural. <laughs> so it was like really hard to, you know, just throw like I have. And like that was a big learning experience for me. I don't think I threw tremendously well at that uh, hammer meet. I was lucky enough to make it. I was one of the last few spots, but I was lucky enough to go. And I learned a lot from that experience. I learned a lot about, like, how to just more or less, like, act natural, do what I do at every other meet, but, you know, stay level-headed. And then in shot put, shot put was a little different because I was right on the bubble to go. In hammer, I was, like, picked to go, but in shot put, I was going to need to be at my PR or a little bit over if I was to go. And I remember warming up and I remember everybody warming up together and just like it. I think Renner's used this analogy before and I'm going to steal it from him. It felt like there was like a pot inside of me, like in my belly, and it was just boiling. And it was just boiling all throughout warm ups. And I did an extra long warm ups. I was going through drills and it was starting to bubble. And then we go through warm ups in the meat and all of a sudden, like the pot lid was like shaking. Like, it was going to explode. And I've never been – I was so excited that meet. I don't – I think it was just because it was regional and I knew I was on the bubble. I knew I was going to have to have something big. But I came out, and I think I had the season's best by, like, half a meter almost at that meet to go. And, like, that was, like, what I needed to get in. Like, I didn't make it in – I think I made it in at, like, one of the middle places. But, like, I kind of needed a performance like that if I was going to go. And – yeah, so I think just knowing I was on the bubble was enough to get me excited to really have a good performance. And if any of you are listening right now and you don't know Alex Talley, you're going to soon find out that a half meters PR is really, really small. It's not a huge PR. <laughs> you're the only guy I know that can consistently crank out one meter, two meter, three meter PRs in, in these events. <laughs> I mean, I, that's a definitely a big PR. I mean, we're talking like a half a meter, half a meter PR is like a foot and a half. Oh, it's, that's a huge oh. PR, but I'm just saying you're the king of huge PRs, so we'll talk about <laughs> some of those coming up. I did want to just take a moment to touch on, for also those of you that aren't familiar with NCAA Division One qualifying, when it comes to outdoor, the country split right down the middle. There's an East region and a West region. They take the top 48 in each event, with the exception of the combined events, the women's heptathlon and the men's decathlon. But they take the top 48 in the West, top 48 in the East, you go to what they call the first round of nationals, also known as the West prelims or the East prelims. And it doesn't matter how you do all season. 
But at that West or East prelim meet, you have to be in the top 12 to advance to nationals. So when Alex was talking about being on the bubble there, he is right outside of that top 12. But at the meet, he would have taken top 12 in both the shot and the hammer to qualify. So you make it to the national meet. You've got the pot. It bubbles. It boils. It sends you all the way to nationals. <laughs> um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you ended up with two honorable mention All-American finishes that year. Yes. Um, and, you know, that I don't think I placed very high. I think I was like 23rd in the hammer throw, and it wasn't much better in the shot put. But, you know, those are performances that I was very proud of at the time. You know, I showed up to nationals, my first national meet. Um, I barely made it in, and some of the guys were throwing like 10 meters farther than I was in the hammer throw. You know, like I looked up to those guys, and I was like, yeah, I don't – when you look at somebody and you, like, see them, and you're like, that guy's on another level. That was me. But I was happy to be with them, and I was like, that's where, that's where I need to be in the future. Like, this is the direction I need to go. I need to be able to – move like these guys do but I remember having like a pretty decent performance in the hammer throw and I was so excited used all my energy on that I had shot later that night and I came in kind of tired but yeah I tried my best in the hammer in the shot put and I think I was like a meter under my best but like I said like it was a performance I wasn't upset with you know I went out there and like you have meets where you feel like you give it your all like, you gave it everything you had. It might not have went how you wanted it to, but, like, at, that was the best on the day, and that's how I felt. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, just a little funny story about that NCAA meet. In shot put, I was so nervous. I usually throw with, like, knee sleeves on, and I forgot to put them on, and I didn't realize until, like, a week later when I saw videos. Your that's how nervous sleeve. I was for that meet. So were your knee sleeves just at your ankles or you just didn't put them on at all? I left them like in my backpack. I had them with me. <laughs> I just forgot to put them on. I was so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so Well, I mean, we've all we've all done something like that at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the nerves just get to you. <laughs> so you're You've, you've basically you just kind of had this pretty consistent trajectory. You've, you've slowly gotten better and better each season. Uh, you finally made it to the highest competitive level at, on the NCAA field. Um, but now you're thinking, you're like, okay, I've been here. I've done this. It's time for, for Alex Talley to step up and to start, start getting some some awards winning some hardware um so you come into the next next season uh indoors you're throwing amazing you qualify in the weight throw and the shot put um before uh before we get to what what happened uh how the how your season ended uh just kind of tell us how you were feeling that season how things were going um, so I had moments of really, really good moments in the weight throw. Um, I was throwing, I had a couple warm-ups that were just like a couple, like a meter farther than my other ones. I don't know what I did different. I don't know what happened, but some of them just went farther and I never found it in the meet. I had that at a couple different meets that year and it was kind of just like waiting on that big throw in the weight throw. Like I remember I didn't have a lot of PRs that year and if I did they were small and I wasn't going up and then I went to the conference meet and if I wanted to go I think I went in ranked like 16th in the nation so if anybody PR'd at all I wasn't going to go to the national meet unless I PR'd and at the conference meet I hit a really really big PR I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember it was just like a massive PR out of the blue. Probably like four meters. (laughs) Yeah, something like that, yeah. But I, at that conference meet, I fouled my first two throws, barely made it into finals at like the six or seven spot, and then found my fifth throw for a big PR, and I was going to nationals all of a sudden. I had my PR throw. 
So, you know, I was going into nationals with a full head of steam way through. Like, I had nothing but confidence in it. You know, I hit my big PR and I was going to send it at nationals too. In shot put, kind of had like a year where I saw PRs, but they were like two or three centimeters at a time. And again, we show up to the conference meet and I was feeling really good. And I had throws where it felt like I had nothing through like half the throw. That was just catching the end. And I was able to find a PR by like three centimeters in the shot put at that meet with pretty much just half the throw. So I was full. I was ready for the national meet more or less. Like I was coming in. I was confident. I was like I had nothing at conference in the shot put. But at nationals, if I find it, it's going places. Like I had nothing, nothing but confidence. So I had – I was really looking forward to the national meet. We were all the way in Albuquerque um, where the meet was going to be. And there was, like, kind of talks the day of – like, we, it was the day before we were practicing that day. It was just, like, a practice day. We got breakfast, and, like, they kind of said, like, no fans were coming anymore which was kind of like, oh, I have to tell my parents. They already kind of, like, booked their flights and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're excited to come. But then we went to practice, so we were having the meet. And then certain schools pulled out. Like, I can't remember what conference pulled out first. But then, like, schools started pulling out of events while we were at practice. You know, like, teams were packing up, and they're like, yeah, I guess we're just not competing. We're going home. And so that was, like, kind of heartbreaking because we were like, oh, now we're going to have nationals but without, like, certain teams, like, the certain big teams. And then I remember the next conference pulled out, and I think it was the Big Ten conference, and we were just heartbroken. We were like, that's, like, half the field, half the shot, putting weight through. Like, it's not going to feel right if the schools can't be there. It's, you know, there's a certain, like, feeling you get from competing and taking – top eighth for that All-American status, that first-team All-American status. With the amount of people that were left, you know, there was only 10 people in the event. It loses a lot of its, like, pride. I guess pride is how I word it. But, like, you lose kind of, like, your satisfaction from it. And I think it was the NBA canceled their season, I think is what happened next. And then after that, everybody's like, yeah, we're just – we're done. Like, there's no way. This is all in just like the same span of a couple of hours while you guys. Yeah, same span of like four hours. Everybody dropped out while we were at practice. And then I remember them coming over the intercom system and they're like, everybody needs to leave. The meet is canceled. And then we immediately went onto the track, shot like one or two pictures of the other schools that were doing it. And then we left. And I was kind of hit. It was a really. Really bad way to end the season. Felt very unfulfilled. And then, yeah, like you just came home and it was done. You know, there, you, you guys kind of know what happened with that. Like, there was no communication from anybody. Like, nobody really knew what the future held. And we were all just told, stay home, stay safe. Which, I, think that was, I think that was the first time I've heard – like a perspective from someone actually at the meet, you know, I heard, well, they got there and they got canceled, but like, yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating to like, I, especially for, I don't want to like have my own little pity party, but you know, I, I worked really hard to, to get there. You know, that was my goal was to get to the national meet and to get to your conference meet and have to PR your way in and actually do it. You know, like, that meant a lot. Like, I was so excited. And then just to have it all kind of crumbled down before you, and all of a sudden you're getting ready you're with all the other guys practicing, and then certain teams start leaving. You're like, oh, what's happening? And then they're like, yeah, you need to go home. Your plane leaves at 8 a.m. And I'm like, I'm supposed to throw weight tomorrow. What do you mean? So, mm. yeah, it was heartbreaking. And, and it really, really was hard on a lot of people. And then, like, imagine being, like, I had another year, so, like, I could take solace in that. But someone like Shelby or Maddie mm-hmm. or other, you know, fifth years on my team, they that was it. You know, that was their last season. That's how your season – that's how your senior season goes out, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So imagine losing your senior season at the most important meet. It sucks. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, uh, and we also not. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I'm mad at the decision. Like I, I, it's a fine decision. You know, people gotta stay safe. This virus is no joke. So, you know, we we understand it, but we also we're also you know, heartbroken about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially too. That was so early on in the pandemic. We really didn't know yeah. much about the virus. So. Yeah, in, in hindsight, which made it, made it harder. So. Yeah, in hindsight, you look back, could the meet have taken place? Maybe, but that's just something you can't really dwell on. You've got to keep working forward. Yeah. And, and but that's I, another thing where, like, you know, they, they canceled it. And, like, what if, like, a parent had it and they didn't know they had it and they came to the meet? Nobody wore masks at that point. Right. You, know, you could have given, given the virus to, like, 40, 50 people. And then, you know, the odds are maybe one or two people die. And at the end of the day, we have to remember that, like, track is a game. Like, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a game. We do it for recreation. I mean, sometimes we forget that and we think it's our life, but that's really what it is. So to be able to keep the older, I don't want to say older generation, but, like, people who are at risk and really just everybody, keep them safe, I, it's a, it was a good decision, I think, at the time. At the time, I didn't. I had trouble seeing it that way. But looking back now, you know, keep people safe, keep people alive. Like, it's not uh, – I guess what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, it's a, it's a track meet. It's right. no use losing people over it. Yeah. No, we, we put a lot of value in sports, and sometimes it's important to realize, like you said, it's just the value of someone's life versus a sport probably doesn't always stack up. Yeah. And yeah, so, and I'm not I'm not afraid to take that take on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, and I I don't like obviously we were, we were upset, but we we understand, you know. And yeah. our coaches did a good job at explaining to us kind of the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, let's let's kind of fast forward. We know that you put in a lot of work over the summer. Um, that's no nothing uncommon for Alex Tallies to grind your way <laughs> at the track from, from morning to night and get in a lot of yeah. bills and a lot of reps. But With Corona brought a lot of bad things, but, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like this virus is like a joke at all or anything, but it did allow for me to get some extra reps in, in each event. So yeah. I wasn't allowed to do it at, the, at our facilities, but, you know, I did I remember doing drills in the parking lot of my apartment. So I remember going outside doing drills there. You know, I remember there's like a park just south of campus. I used to run circles around because <laughs> I was working on my conditioning and my cardio and my agility. And I was in that field doing like drills with cones and stuff. You know, I, I, I worked hard during that part. So yeah. Corona brought anything. It brought time to get better. And better you got because you are coming off of last weekend, two first-team All-American finishes. Which one do you want to talk about first, the shot or the weight? Um, I threw the weight first. You just want to start with that one? Yeah, yeah. tell us all about it. <laughs> um, so the weight throw, I came out that year, and I hit a big PR at the first meet in December. And I never really came close to it again. I threw 2290 at the first meet. And then all the way through conference, I didn't have a single meet uh, over 22 meters. So mm-hmm. I was kind of struggling at that point. We were trying new things in practice. I was trying my best. And we got to the national meet. And my first three throws were the worst throws I've had all year. And luckily, by the skin of my teeth, by two centimeters, I made finals at ninth place. And I was so lucky. But, you know, it's hard to come out of a mental space where you're having the worst meet of your life, or not life, but of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, To to try to see that you're going to be able to come out. And, you know, it hit me that it's a national meet. And, like, I kept my head up and I kept grinding. And I ended up throwing a little bit over 22 meters. Again, it was my first time all season, or first time this year, second time this season. And it's been months since I've thrown that. And I did it on my sixth throw, and I was able to scoot up to sixth place. 
And I, I, it wasn't my best performance, wasn't a PR, but it was one I could be proud of because I felt like I didn't. It's really easy to give up on a competition, mm-hmm. but to battle back on your last throw really, really meant a lot to me. And, you know, really showed me that I could, it's all a mental, mental game. Take us through the, the shot, but then, uh, I mean, um, yeah, big accomplishment, first team All American. And then how do you, how do you respond with a whole nother event to <laughs> compete? So late throw was like really late at night. It was at like 6 30. So I got done throwing weight. And I remember I got chicken Alfredo from a pizza place. And I immediately went to my room, ate it in my bed. Pretty much didn't sleep all night. I was way too hyped from the weight throw. <laughs> Woke up the next morning for shot. I think I probably got to sleep at like one thirty. Woke up at like six thirty the next morning. Like I like hardly slept. I was off and on sleeping. Uh, show up to shot put. You're so groggy from the night before. But shot put was at like eleven thirty, so it was like very close timing. Like I didn't get much rest time at all. And show up, you know, see trainers get warmed up and I don't know it was really cool just to be there with those guys like they're guys that you know you watch on Instagram and they're having the best years ever and you see them and like I guess for me looking at those guys you're kind of like oh I'm never gonna see those guys you know like you see people on Instagram and you're like oh yeah that guy's throwing really well but like it doesn't hit you that you're gonna have to throw against them so like see those guys is kind of like surreal a little bit, mm-hmm. and to be able to be like, yeah, I can throw against these guys, I can do it, and like for the first time, being able to be like, yeah, I can keep up with these guys, it's like a really cool feeling. And I took that into shot put, and my first throw fell out of my hand, so I didn't throw very well. But I think my third throw was my farthest throw, caught one, nineteen eighty five, got my best throw of the year by far, but you know it was enough to get third place on the day. And um, there's a couple guys under me. I don't know if you guys saw the, the heat like finish at all, but I took third by one centimeter um, over fourth place and fourth place took fourth place by only one centimeter over fifth place. So there's two centimeters separating uh, third and fifth. If that gives you an idea how close it was, there was no ties. So, couldn't have been any closer, really. Could not have been any closer on that finish. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm very proud, very proud of that. I was able to show up the next day and, like, have not my best day, but a good day. So. Yeah, the only uh, – this is the second second year in a row you've been the only qualifier in both the weight throw and the shot put, I believe. Yeah, I, I believe that's true. And and to get all American honors in both, uh, I mean, you're not just okay at one and and really good at the other. You know, you're you're excelling at both. So, that, I mean, I think I think the NDSU track and field Twitter tweeted something like, "Alex Talley, the best all around thrower in the nation." We think so. Yeah, you those know, guys hype me up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who runs that, but they're really <laughs> really good at making those kind of things. I. I if whoever's makes those, if you're listening, I appreciate them a lot. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll buy into the hype. I think it's real. I believe it. Yeah. So, so before yeah. we transition into just some uh, fan submitted questions, I just want to ask, what are your sights set on for outdoor season? What are you looking forward to as we move into um, the end of March here? And hopefully what's going to be a long outdoor season for you? Um. So... I enjoy the hammer throw quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's fun. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it's my best event at all by any means, but I do enjoy throwing it. So I'm just excited for another opportunity in it. Um, I'm a couple meters off the school record. So, you know, I, I kind of got sights set on that a little bit. Um, that'd be really cool to have. And I, I, I think it's obtainable. Um, as far as my other events go, I don't really throw the discus. So if I can do it at conference and maybe take a couple points, you know, that'd be pretty sweet. And then shot put, you know, be able to show up to regionals. It's going to be stacked regionals. We got a lot of guys from um, the West in 
the regionals who are going to be very highly, highly ranked. And, you know, just show up, be able to make it to nationals again, and then come in and hit something at nationals to get a good mark and hopefully become another first-team All-American, really. So. Okay, I know, you're being, I know you're being humble, but how about the trials? Um, I would like to go. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to say I don't want to go. But if I – obviously, my goal is, is going to be to try to make it. Um, I think as far as making the Olympic team, that might be a little far for me yet. Um, U.S. shot put is probably the best country in the shot put. We're just so deep between the top guys that I would need, like, another three. I'd need to be, like, close to the world record to go, really. Like, truthfully. Um, and then in Hammer, you know, it's going to be a big question mark. It's been two years since I've got a got a mark. You know, we haven't had out, we skipped outdoor season last year. So I don't know what I'm going to need to throw, but I need to throw something pretty far if I want to go. And we're talking like an improvement of probably like eight meters, which, you know, is – Quite, quite the distance to add, really. <laughs> you are, but you tally, are. That's just, that's just. You are the king of man. big PRs. Yeah. You're the king of big PRs. Well, yeah, I, and we've been training it. We trained it hard, so I, I feel like I could definitely. I, I feel like I'm ready for a hammer PR. So, good. Well, we'd love to hear that. Now we'll transition into our fan submitted questions here. Do you ever get tired? Do I ever get tired? Uh, no. I am like Kevin Gates. I do not get tired. That's what I like to hear. If you don't know what song I'm referencing, you should look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you maybe alluded to this with the chicken Alfredo in the hotel room, but what's your favorite meal post-meat? Um, so I don't – I'm not like superstitious with that at all. So it's kind of whatever I'm feeling. If we're on a trip with the team – um, they usually pick a lot of meals that I want really ever pick in my life, but I'm always down just to hang out and, you know, wherever we go is good enough for me. I'm not real picky. I'll eat anything. So that kind of changes. I think a lot of guys on our team really like Indian food. Greek's becoming popular. So, you know, sushi, we got sushi a couple of times. Yeah. Korean. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of just wherever everybody else wanted people go. So. Yeah, I tagged along with some of you throwers a couple of years ago at Stanford. I think it was Korean barbecue was the move, and yeah. that was it was a good time. The only thing I will say that changes is after a meet, I'll usually get two entrees instead of one, and then maybe an appetizer. That's what Tally, I like to hear. So. Tally, didn't I hear one time you got two two for twenties at Applebee's? Yeah, I have done that, yeah. The most I've spent, I've spent over 45 on one dinner at Cheesecake Factory before. <laughs> I spent that, and then I think after National Shop, but I spent like almost 40 on, a, I think it was, a, it was a Thai food. I can't remember what I got, but yeah, I spent like 40 bucks on that. <laughs> nice. This is the info That's you want you only hear this on the Prairie Track means. and Field podcast. <laughs> you only hear those things yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Might be All a little right. TMI, but yeah. No, no, yeah. we'd love to hear it. Love to hear it. So, next question. How about your favorite lift when you're getting after it in the weight room? Um, it really depends on the day. Um, I have a really big squat. Um, a lot of people assume it's my favorite, but it's – Usually not. It's usually like my third or fourth. Um, I like the Olympic lifts quite a bit. I think they're fun. Um, snatch from the floor is probably one of my favorites. I'd say it's second favorite right now just because we haven't done it in a while. But uh, cleans, where you start from the rack, have really become my favorite this year. I'm having a good year in those. So Sweet. What's your squat, Max? Just throw it out there. Um, so I haven't maxed in a while because I've had like injuries. Uh But, like, two weeks before Nationals, I had, like, a little bit of a sore groin, so I didn't go super heavy. But I did hit a 725 for one. 
and it was it was pretty solid. I feel like I can. I feel like if you gave me a shot at like seven fifty, I could I could get it. Dang, what? you know I we got a request to put this on like one of the Facebook football fan pages, so this podcast will be going on there. But I think that's got to compete. That's got to best any football player, right? I don't ever see a lot of football guys squatting seven fifty. It's different though because our football guys like. I'm really good at one rep. Like, that's kind of what we're built for. And when we throw a shot, you know, you do it one time, then you get like a 10-minute break. Those football guys are built for going an entire game. You know, they got their own offense. They can spend the entire quarter playing offense, you know. And then you only get 30 seconds in the huddle. And, like, I couldn't keep up with those guys. They're absolute animals in terms of, like, conditioning. Like, I might have them on, like, a singular movement, but I, I couldn't keep up with them at all. And, like, if, we, if they put us in, like, a 10-rep kind of situation, I don't know if I can keep up with them then either. So, our football players are animals. So True. All right. This one, I think, was maybe one of the most unique questions. What's the strangest exercise you do in your college program that you had never heard of or done in high school? Um... So, like, strangest is a little – I remember I've been thinking about this question because it's – whoever asked this question, it's a very good question. Um, in the weight room, the, the strangest stretch I've done is I was having back problems and they put a band around my back and held me upside down off one of the racks with my feet on the, like, band, like a Spider-Man. And I sat there like on a Spider-Man, like upside down for like 30 seconds. My face was bright red. And like, I don't know, it just felt really weird to just dangle from a rack. And it was by a band too, so I was doing this the whole time. It was just really, really weird. Um, as far as exercises go, um, we've done one kind of weird exercise that we took a barbell. And we held it at its end where it's, you know, a little bit, smoother like your hand slip and we did like turns with it like hammer turns and oh. coach wanted us to go like decently fast but like I said it's smooth so I was going and it was slowly like slipping out of my hands and it was just really it was strange because it was like you wanted to go fast but you couldn't because if you lost it and you threw it somewhere you could hurt somebody or put a hole in the wall and yeah I don't know I was kind of strange that day trying to do like hammer throws with a barbell, but yeah, it worked. It was a good drill. But that work on like your grip strength in the rotation, or did it shift like the weight of the like, like obviously a barbell, but like give you a different center of gravity to control the spin, or what was like the point? You can feel it, like it pulls on your arms quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's a sensation you look for in the hammer throw, is like feeling it pulling you. It's called uh, connection. And uh, yeah, and then just stepping under it, getting it to speed up, like working on speeding up, working on your timing. And yeah, it was a really cool drill and it worked really well. But I was so scared of losing it into the wall or like <laughs> into a person that I don't know about it. Uh- some poor runner just trying to do 200 meter repeats on the track. And yeah, just and it was like during practice. My hands were like really sweaty. I was just like <laughs> losing it the whole time. Like I was so scared of throwing it into somebody. <laughs> so I'm an Alex Sally fan, so I'll submit my own question right here. How cool is it for you that you get to share first team All American status? with your high school teammate, Akili Moten. So she took fifth place in the shot put. How nuts yeah. is it that you guys so, are from the same high school and you just <laughs> both finished first team All-American? Yeah, it's it's insane that we both came from the same place. And Akili is, is quite the monster and quite the thrower. Mm-hmm. So just being able to spend, like, days practicing with her, being able to be with her at meets, it's, it's kind of really cool. Uh, she's someone that uh, – been together with for forever you know like as far back as my throwing career goes she's been there as friends so it's just cool to it's like a friendship that's built every year you know 
Natalie, we ask all of our guests at the end of the show, if you were going to give some advice to a young North Dakota athlete, a thrower that's trying to make it to where you are right now, who's in the same shoes that you were when you were at West Fargo down the road, what advice would you have for that thrower? Um, I have a couple ones I'd like to like say, I guess. Um, number one, the thrower's diet is not a thing. You need to eat well. Like, we are bigger guys, but it does not mean that you don't eat good food. You just eat more of it. So that's important. And uh, another thing that's very important for young throwers is if you're looking to go to college and you're looking to progress on, camps are the way to go. Camps are a good way to get your name out there. Meet coaches, meet um, other collegiate throwers. They'll help you in your throw. And it's a good way to get better. Um, I think that – I think. I wish more kids would, were able to go to the camps. And I guess my last one would be is when you're looking to go to college, surround yourself with good people. Um, you know, at NDSU, we kind of – we have a lot of talent here. And, you know, every day I'm at practice and I throw with, like, Peyton on it all. I throw with, like, Christopher. I throw with, like, Max. And they all throw pretty much the same distance I do. So they're able to push me on those days where I'm not really feeling it. And, you know, it's, it's nice to be around people who throw far. If you're around people who push you and work hard, you're going to take those attitudes too. You're a product of your environment. So if you can get in with a team that, you know, works hard, people are going to push you, people are going to be on you. It's really, really a good environment and where you want to be. Yeah, that's great advice, Tally. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate your uh, insight, experience, and your advice to, to the listeners. Hopefully they, they take it to heart. Uh, one yeah, I thing, just hope people don't mind my rambling too much. Oh, no, <laughs> this, has been, this has been awesome. One thing I want to mention, too, uh, that we forgot earlier, uh, you're also a two – let me see. I'm just double checking here. A two-time USATF CCCA All Academic Honoree, right? Does that sound yep. about right? So, I mean, stud on the on the in the throwing ring, stud in the classroom. Uh, it's important to be a well-rounded person. Uh, you still still an engineering major? Yep, yep. I'm finishing up my last two classes now. I'll have my uh, degree at the end of the semester. So. Woohoo. Well, congratulations, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we won't keep you too much longer, but thank you so much for hopping on tonight. I can't wait for the people yeah. to get to listen to this because, like yeah. you said, first collegiate on the show, so we couldn't be yeah. more excited for that. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tally. Thanks, we'll probably.